Father, I thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that your word will illuminate our lives, will give us purpose, will give meaning to our days. And I thank you, Father, that this is the world that you have given us to worship you in. We'll never have another moment to worship you um, with these kind of circumstances, scenarios. Uh, this is our opportunity to pass every test that we may face, because in heaven there are none. And this is our opportunity to live beyond the temptations of this life, because in heaven there are none. Uh, thank you, Father, that we can now show our faithfulness to you in Jesus' name. And all those who love the Lord said, Amen. 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 How many of you know life is, uh, this is it? <laughs> I mean, this is not a dress rehearsal. You're not trying out for, for life, right? This is your life. And this is the moment for you to do something with the life that you have. You'll never have another moment to, to show Christ your faithfulness. This is the moment for you to do so. You'll never have another time to remain faithful in the face of trials, temptations, and challenges. This is the time to do it. There's no persecution in heaven. This is your moment to rejoice when persecuted. And so this is, this is your moment. Tell your neighbor, this is your moment. All right. <laughs> you see, considering the Old Testament Sabbath, we're going to complete our short little two-week series on the Sabbath and what to do with that fourth commandment. And last week I left you, I left like David Akatheris as a cliffhanger because I said today I will complete the questions that was asked last week. But considering the Old Testament Sabbaths, the feast days of Israel and so forth, it seems as though God was very interested in how we order our lives. It seems like God was very interested in how we ran our calendar. You remember that the, the, there were, they were Sabbaths on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, and then annually. There were many Sabbaths. And God was very interested in how they ordered their lives around these Sabbaths. And today we're going to address some of the main issues regarding this because it touches our lives in a very real way. People are highly strung out because they don't order their lives in God's model. They don't order their lives around what matters to God. They order their lives around what they feel to be needed. It's different to compare things you want versus things you need. And then you can compare things you want compared to what God wants. But I'll tell you this much, that life doesn't work out if we, come, if we approach life on our terms instead of on God's terms. If we approach life on our design for life versus God's design for your life. When you have purposes other than the purpose God gave you, many people give themselves to what they, dis what they think they discovered after, let's say, reading Purpose Driven Life. They think they discovered something when in fact, really, God has already given you a purpose and, and you don't have to discover it. It's already there. It says that God created us for His glory. So whether you're a teacher or a truck driver, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're a, if you're a ho housewife, you're the manager of that, of that kingdom right there. You 
have a purpose, and that is to glorify God with your life. But how do we do this? We have to look at the scriptures from cover to cover in order to establish this. So today, I'm going to do what you might experience to be a information dump. Is that okay? I'm just going to throw a bunch of information out there for you. So I'm not going to try and make it exciting or anything. I'm just trying to inform you of certain thoughts. We're going to talk about Sunday worship. Is it rooted in paganism? As many claim that it is. How many of you know a Sabbatarian? Somebody who believes that you're not supposed to be meeting on Sunday. You're supposed to be meeting on a Saturday. How many of you know a Sabbatarian? Okay. There are many of them. And one of the claims is the reason you ought not to meet on a Sunday is because Sunday worship is rooted in pagan worship. We're also going to talk about the Roman Catholic churches that changed the Sabbath from Saturday. They officially changed it to Sunday about a thousand years ago. And we're going to say, we're going to ask, is it therefore unbiblical to meet on Sundays instead of on Saturdays? And... Uh, we're going to answer the question, whoever gave somebody permission to change the Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday? Who gave them the permission to do that? Who gave us the permission to participate in what they changed? We're going to, ask, we're going to talk about the Old Testament Sabbath, and we're going to compare it to the New Testament Day of the Lord. Lord's Day, excuse me. Day of the Lord is when Jesus comes again. The Lord's Day is when we celebrate Him on a weekly basis. And then we're going to answer the question, how are we to treat the Lord's Day. And <clears throat> since many of you probably are not, some of you probably aren't aware of the arguments against our custom and our regular practice of meeting here on a Sunday morning, I'm going to introduce you to a short video clip where somebody puts it in a really nice nutshell. It's a, it's a Catholic priest. He puts it into, the nutshell, into a nutshell as to why what we are apparently doing is wrong. All right, and then what we're going to do is we're going to hear him out, and then we're going to build a case against and for. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, good. Thank you. I have repeatedly offered $1,000 to anyone who can prove to me in the Bible alone <coughs> that I am bound to keep Sunday holy. There is no such law in the Bible. It is a law of the Holy Catholic Church alone. The Bible says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Catholic Church says, No, by my divine power I abolish the Sabbath day and command you to keep holy the first day of the week. And lo, the entire civilized world bows down in reverent obedience the command of the Holy Catholic Church. See and write CSSR in a lecture at Hartford, Kansas, February 18, 1884. The Catholic Church for over 1,000 years before the existence of a Protestant, by virtue of her divine mission, changed the day from Saturday to Sunday. The Catholic Mirror, September 23rd, 1893. Question, which is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? 
answer. We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church in the Council of Laodicea, A.D. 336, transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Peter Geierman, The Converts, Catechism of Catholic Doctrine, Second Edition, 1910, page 50. Question, have you any other way of proving that the Church has power to institute festivals of precept? Answer, had she not such power, she could not have done that in which all modern religionists agree with her. She could not have substituted the observance of Sunday, the first day of the week, for the observance of Saturday, the seventh day, a change for which there is no scriptural authority. Stephen Keenan, A Doctrinal Catechism, page 174. There is but one church on the face of the earth which has the power or claims power to make laws binding on the conscience, binding before God, binding under penalty of hellfire. For instance, the institution of Sunday. What right has any other church to keep this day? You answer by virtue of the third commandment. The papacy changed the fourth commandment and called it the third, which says, remember that thou keep holy the Sabbath day, but Sunday is not the Sabbath. Any schoolboy knows that Sunday is the first day of the week. I have repeatedly offered $1,000 to anyone who will prove by the Bible alone that Sunday is the day we are bound to keep, and no one has called for the money. It was the Holy Catholic Church that changed the day of rest from Saturday, the seventh day, to Sunday, the first day of the week. T. Enright, CSSR, in a lecture delivered in 1893. So there you have it. Uh, that's the argument against Sunday worship and for keeping the Sabbath. And um, for as far as I can reach or see or hear, uh, basically 99.99% of all the people are confused on the issue. Some are very confident that they are not confused, but they can't answer the issue. And so there's a $1,000 <laughs> uh, prize to be won here this morning. And so what I would like to start off by is explain that as a New Covenant, New Testament believer in Christ Jesus, we believe that the Sabbath laws have passed away. They've passed away. You say, how is that possible? Well, in the same way that the sacrificial, uh, the, the sacrificial worship system has passed away. They don't slaughter animals anymore. That's passed away. In the same way as the Levitical priesthood has passed away, there is no longer a Levitical priesthood. He may be dressed like one, but there is no longer one. It says, now ye are God's holy priests, royal priesthood. Uh, the Sabbath has passed away just like all of the ceremonies under Moses' law that foreshadowed Christ. Because we now have Christ, we no longer celebrate 
we don't celebrate the shadow, we actually have the substance. So, here are four reasons why we believe Sabbath laws have passed away. The first is that Paul refers to the Sabbath as a shadow of Christ, which no longer is necessary since the substance has come. Colossians 2, 16 through 17. It says, So let no one judge you in food or drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The second reason why we believe the Sabbath has Sabbath laws have passed away is because the New Testament never commands Christians to observe the Sabbath anywhere. Let me say it again. The New Testament never commands Christians anywhere to observe the Sabbath. Number three. Let me just say, he said, where can we show in the Bible? Where can we show in the Bible that Sabbath has changed from day seven to day one? Well, I would also like to ask a question. Where in the New Testament, sir, was anybody ever one time told to keep the Sabbath? And I will give him $1,000. Number three. The apostles warned the New Testament church about many different sins in the epistles. <clears throat> but breaking the Sabbath was not one of them. So I went and I searched this out. Did you know that there are over 1,050 New Testament commandments? 1,050 times were you told to do something or not to do something. We think the Ten Commandments is a tall order. We got 1,050 do's and don'ts in the New Testament. I'll run through a few with you. Here are 10 to-do's. Do good to them that hate you. Do to others what you expect of them. Do violence to no man. Do good. Do this, putting God first, and live. Do all to God's glory. Everything you do. Do all things without murmuring or disputing. Do those things which were seen and heard in me. Philippians 4.9. Do your own business. Quietly. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Number 10. Do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy 4.5. Let's look at 10 not to do's. <laughs> okay. Number 1. Do not show your arms before people. Matthew 6.1. Do not sound trumpet. Or sound the trumpet before you when giving alms, Matthew 6, 2. Do not do works of the Pharisees, Matthew 23, 3. Do not love in word only. Do not give heed to fables. Do not heed to genealogies. Do not err. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not fashion self according to the former lusts, 1 Peter 1, 14. So we can go on and on, but there are 1,050 of those in the New Testament. Yet not one time in the 1,050 do's and don'ts is anybody ever one time told to keep the commandment of the Sabbath. Sabbath keeping is 100% void within the New Testament. Yet many other things are present. When you speak to a Sabbatarian, 
it would seem like if they were the ones writing the New Testament, Sabbath-keeping would be everywhere. Yet, it's nowhere. They make Sabbath-keeping the centerpiece of what they do. Anybody know a Seventh-day Adventist? It's the center part of their worship. <clears throat> so the first reason is that Paul refers to the Sabbath as a shadow of Christ, and Christ is the substance of that shadow. Number two, the New Testament never commands Christians to observe the Sabbath anywhere. Number three, the apostles warned the New, New Testament church about many different sins. Breaking the Sabbath wasn't one of them. Number four, Paul keeps or Paul rebukes Galatians. This is big. Paul rebukes the Galatians for thinking that God expected them to observe special days as a way of finding favor with God. Let me say that again. Is that there? Paul rebukes those who thought that God would expect them to observe a special day in order to find favor with Him. I'll read it to you. And I'm going to read it to you out of the Living Bible so that it's very clear, very plain, layman's terms. Here it goes. Before you Gentiles, Galatians 4, 8, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that did not exist. Verse 9. And now that you have found God, or should I say now that God has found you, how can it be that you want to go back again and become slaves once more to another poor, weak, useless religion of trying to get, the, get to heaven by obeying God's laws? ceremonial laws. How do I know that? Because it's not moral laws. Breaking a moral law is a sin in the Old Testament, before the law, during the law, and after the law in the New Testament. For instance, you couldn't steal under the law. You still can't steal under grace. You couldn't commit adultery under the law. You still can't commit adultery under grace. It's still a sin. What is no longer a sin... <laughs> is you had to, you had to. You weren't allowed into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies without falling down dead. Now you can stand in the presence of God. That shadow, we now have the substance thereof. You couldn't touch the ark without falling down dead because now we have, that was the shadow of Christ Himself. You can't rescue Christ. No, we now have the substance. Christ has rescued us. You couldn't pick up sticks during the Sabbath without getting stoned to death. But that was a shadow. We now have Christ, our eternal rest. We don't rest one day a week anymore. We rest seven days a week. You are in Christ all week long. And so here Paul is rebuking them. He's saying, you're going, back to, you're going back to trying to obey these ceremonial laws. And then he says in verse 10, and here's the big one. You are trying to find favor with God by what you do or don't do on certain days or months or seasons or years. Let me say it again. You are trying to find favor with God by what you do or don't do 
what you do or don't do regarding certain days, Sabbaths, or months, monthly Sabbaths, or seasons of the year. Every, every so, so many years, there was a Sabbath year. Then he says this. He shakes his head, basically, at these Sabbatarians, and he says to them, I fear for you. I really do. Why? Because I'm afraid that all my hard work for you was worth nothing. He goes, you think you, you're gaining favor with God by fighting for that day? And you think God favors you because of it? Honestly, I think I've wasted all my hard work on you. Why is he saying that? Honestly, I've, I've been telling you about the grace of God, about how the old covenant is fading away and all things are becoming new. You go like, well, the covenant, he didn't do away with it. No, he didn't. I'll give you another example. Same, same example as last week. If you have, do you mind coming up here quickly, Matthew and Nathan? Do you mind? <laughs> it's like, how are they going to say no? <laughs> now, you don't have to make obsolete, you don't, you don't have to destroy the boy in order for the man to exist. No, the boy in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, fades away. And in his place stands a man. Right? You don't have to destroy this boy in order to have everything that when you look at them, you go like, wow, great future. I can see where this is going. You see, types and shadows of Everything that's going to be. Thank you. You guys can sit down. In the same way, no, the law has not been destroyed. The law is being fulfilled. The adult man is the fulfillment of the promise you saw in that young boy. And so it is with the Sabbath. So there are the four reasons why we believe the Sabbath laws have passed away. But not only did they pass away, the sacrificial system obviously passed away. The Levitical priesthood is obviously has passed away. All other ceremony, ceremonial laws obviously have passed away. Especially when you read through the New Testament, you see them nowhere. And now comes the moment for me to, um, to earn my $1,000 I'm going to give you seven reasons as to why we meet for church on Sunday mornings. And I'm doing this specifically to erase all confusion, but to inject purpose and meaning into this moment of every week. And the first reason is that we meet on the first day of the week because Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. That's why we gather. We gather to celebrate on a weekly basis. This is the day Jesus rose from the dead. This is the day He conquered the grave. This is the day He was the first of all the brothers that are going to follow Him and are now newborn. Luke 24, 1 and 4. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. 
Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus on the first day of the week. Number two, the second reason why we meet on Sundays is that we meet on Sundays because that is the day the risen Jesus chose to reveal himself to the disciples. In John 20, verse 18 and 19, it says, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. When did he appear to the disciples? Before the first day was over. The same day he rose. It seems as though Jesus was pretty calculated in his initial revealing of himself to his disciples because he continued to reveal himself only on the first day of the week, on Sundays. Because he did so again that very next Sunday. John 20 verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He reveals himself for the first time on a Sunday, Sunday night before the first day is over. And then, not for a whole week, but the next week, he reveals himself again on that next Sunday. The third reason why we meet on Sundays is because peeking into the apostolic age, we see the church meeting on the first day of the week, Sunday. Acts 20 verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. This is when Paul taught them. So what happens when they get together? They break bread and Paul teaches. What do we do when we gather together? We break bread and we are taught the Word of God. The fourth reason why we meet on Sundays is because we meet on Sundays because all the New Testament churches in Galatia and in Corinth received offerings on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1 and 3. Now concerning the collection of the saints... As I have given orders to the churches of Galatia. Now, the churches, plural, in Galatia were ordered in the same manner as this church in Corinth is about to be ordered. Again, now, concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must do also. Verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each of each, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. That there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. So they were receiving offering. We at Christ offering, Nation hope you found this message meaningful. On the first day Please of the week, feel free to share it with anyone that you think needs to Carl. hear it. And we Paul hope came, you can join us soon for a Sunday experience. For more information, please Jerusalem. www.christnation.tv. We meet on Sundays you, to celebrate the birth you. of Christ's church. God poured His Holy Spirit out on a Sunday. On the day of Pentecost. A Sunday, which was the day the church was birthed in the upper room which is why we meet on Sundays. We celebrate this day. It's the day Jesus rose from the dead. It's the day Jesus decided to reveal himself to the disciples the first two weeks of his resurrection, only on Sundays. It is the week we see that the early church 
the apostolic church would meet on a weekly basis, break bread together, and hear Paul preach. It is the day in the week. The New Testament churches all in Galatia and in Corinth would gather offerings together in order to one day send it. When Paul arrives, to send it off to Jerusalem. Number five, we meet on Sundays to celebrate the birth of Christ's church because that's when the Holy Ghost fell. So when you get together here, we have many things to celebrate. One being the fact that the Holy Spirit came, fell on us, sealed our hearts, and filled us so that we can bear the fruits of the Spirit. This is what we are celebrating when we get together here on Sunday mornings. Number six, we meet on Sundays because we recognize Sundays as the Lord's day. There's a difference between the day of the Lord, which is His coming, and he, it's the reckoning of the Lord. The day of the Lord, He's coming to set the record straight when He comes again. But it's different from the Lord's day. The day of the Lord is different from the Lord's day. The Lord's day is introduced to us in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. Through 11, this is the Apostle John. He's on the Isle of Patmos and he's writing to the churches. He says, I, John, in verse 9, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. When was he in the Spirit? On the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now you might say, well, the, that's just a day. He was just saying, I was, this is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> that was just a day. Well, the Lord's day was not only, was not any day of the week. It was neither every day of the week. Otherwise, John would not have named it the Lord's Day. He would have said, I was in the Spirit. No, he didn't say that. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. So it wasn't any day. It wasn't every day. It was a specific day. And neither was the Lord's Day Saturday. Because they already had a name for that day. It was already named Sabbath. So it wasn't Saturday. It was the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day was the day of the Lord. The day that He conquered death. The day that He conquered the grave. The day that He had victory over hell, over Satan. The day He rose from the grave. That was His day. That's why we meet on Sundays. Because it's recognized as the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. Well, let me continue. Number seven. We meet on Sundays because historically, in the first and second century churches, we see that they met for worship on the Lord's Day instead of on the Sabbath. Early church fathers, starting with Ignatius all the way through the Augustine, taught that the Old Testament Sabbath had faded away along with the old Jewish sacrificial system, along with the Jewish ceremonial laws. It faded away with the Jewish priesthood. It faded away with the Jewish feasts. 
These early church fathers believed that the first day of the week, which is Sunday, was the day when Christians should meet for worship. Now, as you can probably already see, that contrary to the claim of many Seventh-day Sabbatarians, who claimed that Sunday worship was instituted in the 4th century by the Roman Catholic Church, is simply not true. It couldn't have been, because the Roman Catholic Church wasn't around in the 1st and the 2nd centuries. Oh, I thought Peter was the Pope. No? Well, let me just tell you, we can prove without a shadow of doubt there was no priesthood or magisterium in 325. Nowhere in Rome was there a magisterium. All you have to do is go to see who all attended the Council of Nicaea. So no, they didn't. They were the Johnny-come-lately. Like, hey, well, let's change the Sabbath from a Saturday to a Sunday because everybody's meeting on a Sunday already, and they have been for hundreds of years. Because we see it in Acts. We see it all through the New Testament. We see it all through the first and the second century churches. You see, the difference here is that the Roman church decided to call Sunday the new Sabbath day. They decided to rename the day while we do not necessarily call Sunday the replacement of the Old Testament Sabbath, that's not how we view it. We still, however, follow the pattern of designating one day of the week for worship. We do not refer Sunday as the Sabbath. We refer to it as the Apostle John did, the Lord's Day. The whole entire all the, all the church fathers in the first century, all the church fathers in the second century called it the Lord's Day and called it the Sabbath. Even though the Roman Catholic Church did change the day, we didn't change the name of the day like they did. By the way, just another thought. Are you guys, are you guys following me here? Here's another thought for you. What does the fourth commandment actually say? People go like, well, that's in the Ten Commandments. It's the Fourth Commandment. You don't want to have a, you want to have a Ten Commandment with a limp. You're like, like we're kind of nine, really. <laughs> we fill ten spaces, but we practice none of them. Like, what, you know, what does the Fourth Commandment actually say? Because here's where it becomes real to you and to me. The Fourth Commandment actually says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Did he tell you which six days? Mm -mm. He actually didn't. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, out of the six, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. That's what he said. Now, we have to import the fact that it's these six days and that is the seventh. No. We, he says, you work six and you rest one out of the, si one out of the seven. Ignatius was the bishop of Antioch around the beginning of the 2nd century. Most scholars believe that he was, a martyr, he was martyred under the Roman emperor Trajan around 110 after death, 110 years after Christ. It means if he was dead, he died then. I mean, he lived in, in the 1st and the 2nd century. He crossed over. He wrote an epistle to, to the Magnesians, and you can go and pull it up on, on um, the Internet 
the Epistle to the Magnesians by Ignatius of Antioch. It's one of the most ancient doc documents we have of the early church. And in Magnesians 9, chapter 9, verse 1, it says this. This is Ignatius speaking, okay, and he was the early church father. He says, If then those who had lived according to the ancient practices came to the newness of hope. Again, listen closely. He says, If then those who had lived according to ancient practices, speaking about the Jewish customs, came to the newness of hope. In other words, they came to Christ. No longer keeping the Sabbath, but living in accordance with the Lord's day. No longer keeping the Sabbath, but living in accordance with the Lord's day, on which our life also rose through Him and His death. Now you can find these statements regarding the early church fathers and how they approached the Sabbath, Sabbatarian issue. You can find many of those, and you can go and search them, but I wanted to read you Ignatius, because he's prominent. So let's ask the question, is Sunday worship rooted in paganism? Is Sunday worship rooted in paganism? How many of you have ever been told, hey, listen, come out of paganism? <laughs> you're, in, you're participating in what pagans used to do. Come out of them. You know? Well, honestly, this is such a painful, painful argument for me because... Um, I, as a pastor, have been told that so many times since we have service on Sundays. And for the life of it, life of me, I can't get them to get the word pagan out of their head. Because everything we do is pagan except for everything they do is not. I want to remind you, folks, that you used to be pagan before you became Christian, weren't you? Most of the early church, they were all pagan, and then they became Christian. Before your salvation, as a pagan, you used to eat three meals a day. How dare you as a Christian eat three meals a day? That's what pagans do. There are many things you still do today that you used to do as a pagan, but you still do them today. Does that make you a pagan? No. You do them for the glory of God now. Now do everything for the glory of God, to the glory of God. Yes, maybe Sunday used to be a pagan day of worship. It was made new, however. Just like you were made new, that day was made new. Sunday now changed to a Christian day of worship instead. So how can anybody say that is paganism? You see, when people come with the whole idea, like, you know, you're, you're, you're practicing paganism, by worshiping on the first day of the week instead of on the sixth day of the week, excuse me, the seventh day of the week, <laughs> You, you pagan worship because you worship on the first day of the week instead of on the seventh day of the week. I have a question for them. So if anybody ever asks you this, you ask them this question. Did you know that the law of Moses has many similarities to the Code of Hammurabi? The Torah, many similarities to the Codes of Hammurabi. Who was Hammurabi? 
Hammurabi was a Babylonian king who reigned from 1,795 before Christ to 1,750 before Christ. What is that, where does that put him? Before Moses. <laughs> That's where it puts him. As a matter of fact, many scholars believe that Moses copied from the codes of Hammurabi when he wrote the Torah because there's so many similarities. Now what's happening to paganism? Hammurabi was a Babylonian king. Now, we aren't going to discuss this today. It's too big of a subject. But yes, there are similarities between the codes of Hammurabi and the Torah. And even so, between Moses and, and, and Hammurabi. Yes, even so, the law of Moses is absolutely divinely inspired absolutely infallible, absolutely inerrant, and absolutely sufficient, given to us by God. Now, we can talk through that, and it's easy ways to explain it, but it'll take too much time. However, my point in this is, for those who want to always judge Sunday worshipers, telling them to come out of Babylon, why don't they go first and abort the entire Torah if that is their litmus test for what is Babylonian and pagan? If that's the litmus test for what is Babylonian and pagan, then they need to throw away the Torah because the Torah um, actually passes that exact same test. Because it appears as though Moses copied from the Babylonian laws. It's kind of quiet here. Are you guys okay? You're supposed to say amen. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Instead of... Oh, okay. <laughs> Do me a favor, soak it in this way. <laughs> we believe that the commands to observe the Sabbath has faded away with the ceremonial laws. But, and here's a big one, all right? But we still practice the principle of the Sabbath by observing the Lord's day. We didn't change the names of the day. We still practiced the one in seven. How does the purpose of the Sabbath in the Old Testament compare to the purpose of the Lord's day in the New Testament? Let me ask again. How does the purpose of the Sabbath in the Old Testament compare to the purpose of the Lord's day in the New Testament? Because I just said to you, we're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. We're not antinomianists where there is no law. No, God does call us one in seven. But He's called us to a better covenant than the old. In order to explain to you how the purpose of this Old Testament Sabbath compares to the purpose of the New Testament Lord's Day, we have to understand that the fourth commandment is what? Let me quote it. You shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You shall remember the Sabbath and then you'll keep it holy. The same principle is true and practiced every single time we gather together here at church on Sundays. That same pr principle is practiced. When you receive communion, that's why 
We never used to receive communion on a weekly basis. If you've noticed, over the last, I don't know how many months, we received communion on a weekly basis. Because when we saw what the church did, they met on the first day of the week, broke bread together, and listened to Paul preach. Then they all received an offering. The examples are there. I know that the man on the video said that it was changed a thousand years ago. No, no, no. It, it's been happening since the beginning. And that same principle is still practiced today. We still remember the Sabbath every time we meet. How so? By receiving communion. It says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five, 25, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my, in my blood. This is Jesus speaking. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. In what? In remembrance of me. Yeah, but Jacques, that's not the Sabbath. What are you talking about? Jesus is your Sabbath. They had to keep the Sabbath and remember. Remember that Sabbath. Every seven days of the week. Now, we have to again remember one out of seven days our Sabbath by receiving communion. It's the same principle. Can you see that? Jesus is the substance of the shadow called Sabbath. That's why if anybody picked up sticks on that day, they should be killed. Because in the new covenant, if anybody works to be right with God outside of Christ, they will not live. No working to rest in Christ. He worked so you can rest. And that's what we celebrate. When you listen to a video like that that we opened up in, you'll see that there's still a total misunderstanding as to salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for God's glory alone. Because terms are used like nowhere are we told, are we told in Scriptures that we are bound to keep the Sabbath. We are not bound to anything. I'm not putting laws on anybody. I'm telling you why we meet to celebrate the resurrection, to celebrate the birth of the church. <laughs> we meet for many reasons on a Sunday morning. Again, the same principle is true and is practiced every time we gather to break bread together because it is, the com it is in communion that we are commanded to put in remembrance Jesus, our Sabbath. You shall remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Jesus worked your rest. So every time we break bread together, we are putting in remembrance three things. Brother Alex, three things. <laughs> Christ is the firstborn of the new creation. Do you remember that I sh showed you last week? that The first time Sabbath was brought up, was connected to the creation. The second time Sabbath was brought up, 
it was connected to the fact that they need to remember that God redeemed them from slavery in Egypt. The third time it was brought up, it was regarding sanctification. It's regarding the creation. It's regarding redemption. It's regarding sanctification. So every time we break bread together, we are putting in remembrance these three things. First, Christ is the firstborn of the new creation. Did you know the Bible says that you, when you are born again, when you are in Christ, you are the new creation. He is the firstborn of this new creation. He was first, then you came. You couldn't get born again before Jesus rose from the dead, is what he's saying. Also known as, he's making all things new. Also known as a new creation, a new covenant, a new life, a new heaven, and a new earth. He is continuously, actively making all things new as we speak. He's actually even making new your thought life right now. He's renewing your mind. Secondly, what we celebrate when we break bread together on a Sunday morning is we're celebrating Christ's work of redemption. The new creation, redemption. Not just how God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt through Moses, but how God delivered us from slavery to sin through Christ. So again, here we are. We're celebrating the same principle, the same thing. Number three, every time we break bread together, we are putting in remembrance the new creation. We're putting in re remembrance redemption from sin. We're putting in remembrance Christ's work of sanctification in our lives. That's the reason every time Alex gets up here to do communion, he says, now, let's confess our sins. What is that? You being sanctified. That is, that is the nature of the Lord's Supper. That is the nature of communion. So here we answered, is Sunday worship rooted in paganism? And then we answered, how does the purpose of the Old Testament Sabbath um, compare to the New Testament Lord's Day? It's the same nature, the same principle, the same spirit. It's not the same day. Not the same name. Since the new covenant is better than the old, how is the first day better than the seventh day of the week? That's a great question. I'll ask this question again. Since the new covenant is better than the Old Covenant. Are you all aware of this? The New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant, right? You're all aware of that. How then can we make a case for the fact that the first day of the week is better than the seventh day of the week? Well, let me build a case for it. Because it allows us to give God the first of everything, even the first of our week, instead of the last part of our week. It allows us to live from rest. You rest and then you live. You're in Christ, therefore you live. Versus... <laughs> living, it allows us to live from rest and not to live so that we can rest. I want to say that right. You don't live six days. Oh, I deserve to rest. You don't deserve to rest. <laughs> we deserve hell. That's all we deserve, right? The only thing you brought to salvation is the sin that made it necessary. 
That's all we brought. So now the first day is better than the seventh. We are now in a better covenant because it allows us to give God the first of everything. It allows us to live from rest and not to live so that we can rest. We live and move and have our being in Him. We do not live and move in order to be in Him. Another reason the first day is greater than the seventh day of the week is because it is a way of putting God first in our lives. How? He says, bring the first fruit of all your produce. In other words, what you bring to God matters. Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. You'll see throughout scriptures, first matters. What you do first matters. Bring the first fruits of all your produce. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He is first and the last. He is the alpha. You see, the first day of the week should influence how you live the rest of your week. It's almost like you know how your day goes by how you get up out of bed. It's like, oh, this is going to be a rough day. (laughs) While the seventh day, Old Testament Sabbath, was preceded by work, the first day of the week now preceded our work. In other words, in the Old Testament, you first work and then you rest. In the New Testament, we now rest so that we can work. The Sabbath day was payment for all your work. The Lord's day becomes the reason we get to do our work because He made that payment for us. The Lord's day gives you life purpose. It gives you a reason to get up and go work. It's no longer burdensome. It's now purposeful. You see, you are God's workmanship in Christ unto good works. Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are in Christ Jesus so that we can have good works. Whereas the Sabbath is, you have to work so that you can get into rest. We don't work in order to be in Christ. We work because we are in Christ. We now do so out of gratitude. We do so out of love. And we do so because we glorify His name with the lives that we have. Here's here's one conclusion regarding that point. (laughs) Everything in the new covenant is better than the old covenant, including the day. That is why I personally believe that the first day of the week is now more holy and more blessed and ought to be remembered in a, more, uh, in, in, a, in a greater way and honored in a greater way because it is part of a better covenant. So how then, and here's where it gets really, really practical. Are you ready for this? So if you stepped all the way through here, this is your moment, okay? <laughs> the nap's over. <laughs> all right? This is where it's for you and me. How then do we honor this day, the Lord's day? How do we honor this day? Well, folks, I have news for you. You don't honor a day. You honor somebody with that day. (laughs) I don't honor Tina's birthday by having me time. Man, what a great birthday you had. (laughs) Oh, man, you should have more of those birthdays. I don't honor Tina's birthday by going to movies and eating ice cream all by myself. That is how many Christians use the Lord's Day to honor God with. Man, that's awesome. That is the, Mike, that's a great message. Nobody agrees. <laughs> 
You guys are supposed to agree. You're here. Those who aren't here are supposed to not agree. <laughs> like, right? So no, you do not honor a day. You use a day to honor a person. We use the, the, the Lord's day to honor the Lord with that day. In the same way, the Lord's day is our day that we sit aside to honor a risen Christ, to honor the birth of this wonderful church, the church at large. So what are we to do on the Lord's day? How do we honor God with that day? Well, you give the Lord your day just like they did in Acts. That's how you honor God on the Lord's day. What are we supposed to do on the Lord's day? What are we supposed to do on the Lord's day? You give that day to the Lord. That's what you're supposed to do with it. You give it to the Lord. Because that's what they did in Acts. They gave, you know what? Paul, Paul started preaching. Now, we don't have balconies for this reason. <laughs> but they, they, they spent that whole day. Remember somebody, somebody even fell out the window? Paul had to go down and resurrect him from the dead? What are we to do on the Lord's Day? We are to gather corporately to celebrate the resurrection of Christ just like the original apostles, apostolic church did. That's, how we, that's what we're supposed to do with this day. We're supposed to gather and celebrate the resurrection. What are we supposed to do on the Lord's Day? We ought to gather corporately to celebrate the day, of, the, day the church was birthed, the day of Pentecost. The first day of the week, Sunday. What are we supposed to do on the Lord's Day, on Sunday? Gather together to break bread, just like the New Testament church did. What are we supposed to do on the Lord's Day, Sunday, the first day of the week? Gather together to bring the Lord a gift, just like the New Testament church in Corinth and Galatia did. Notice that it's not called the Lord's hour and 15 minutes. It's called the Lord's day because that's what it was. He rose early in the morning and that night he went and revealed himself to the disciples. Book ended by him because it's his day. So, Stop your regular work and work for the Lord because you are in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. That means Sundays, the first day of the week, is kingdom work days. John 5, 16 says, So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, He was healing people. That's another wonderful picture. You realize, the one guy, He said to the, he said to the guy, Hey, pick up your bed and walk. The other guy, He healed his hand, remember? His right hand. When did He do it? On the Sabbath, <clears throat> because all those who are in Him will be healed. And so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute Him. In His defense, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. He's working on the Sabbath. The Father was working. So how do we, uh, and I'm saying that because Sunday is our day of 
doing things for the Lord. Not self, for the Lord. So how do we honor the Lord's day? In exactly, and I'm closing with this. We honor the Lord's day in exactly the same way you honor somebody's birthday. Or the way you honor that person on their birthday. Number one, you show up at their birthday party. Number two, you sing to them. Happy birthday to you as you celebrate them. Number three, you give them gifts. In the exact same way, you honor a couple who are getting married. If you honor a couple who are getting married, you show up at their wedding, dressed appropriately, honoring them. You celebrate them by cheering, by clapping, by singing. You honor them by bringing them gifts. How do you honor the Lord on His day? You show up. You sing. You break bread together. You bring Him gifts, personal gifts, talents, your giftings that He gave you. You bring it to Him. We do kingdom work. We listen to sermons like they did to Paul. We evangelize like Peter did on the very first day the church was born, on the day of Pentecost. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, that we will always be able to give an answer for the hope that we hold. I pray, God, that if we have honored ourselves on your day, and if we have refused to give you one in seven, if we have rejected the principle and the spirit of the fourth commandment, Lord, then today we change our minds. There's no possible way for us to get out of facing off with what we see written in scriptures. There's no way possible for us to ignore what we see the church did in the apostolic age in the first century, in the second century. There's no possible way for us to be a true church if in fact we are a progressive church instead of a historical church. Christianity is a ancient religion. And if we do not have our roots in ancient Christianity, we do not have Christianity at all whatsoever. Lord, it's time for us to realize if we are too busy to honor you on your day, then it's true, we are too busy. We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And what we do with that shows you what we value most. And Lord, today, I pray that your word will be rich within us, that we will order our lives around you instead of forcing you to order your life around us. You are not our servant. We are yours. We are your slaves. We are slaves to righteousness. We ask you to forgive us for treating you in a trivial manner. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done for us in Christ, that he is our rest, he is our Sabbath, 
We rest not one day a week. We rest seven days a week. He conquered death, and we get to celebrate that weekly. He birthed the church, and we get to celebrate that weekly. The early church met weekly, and we get to join them in that. And Lord, as we, as we search our hearts and our minds, we thank you, Father, for the liberty. But at the same time, we submit to your call as you call us to a higher place. You gave us a better covenant. And to whom much is given, much is required. Amen. Amen. Because you get something out of the word.